Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you. God, we thank you for the fact that you break us. As difficult as that is to say and as difficult as that is sometimes, God, on our hearts, we know that it is for our good and for your glory. And Lord, we are in awe of your cross because, God, you are broken for us. You are broken for us, and you break us so that we might be more like you. And God, that is overwhelming. It's so incredibly difficult, the things we go through, Lord, so that we might be broken. It's different from the way that the world breaks us. God, when you break us, it's, it's sweetly broken. And uh, God, I know that's the kind of heart you desire, one that is sweetly broken. So right now... I'm asking you to break our hearts, Lord, through the power of your word, by the power of your Holy Spirit, break our hearts, Lord, not so that we'll shed tears, but so that we'll just be closer to you, that we'll learn to rely on you and lean into you. God, that's what it's all about, is us being close to you. So God, I pray that we be drawn close to you now through your word. Whatever that takes, God, maybe maybe we're willing to endure it so that you might receive glory. God, it's... uh, it's about you right now, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we are continuing our series on encounter. And we have talked about people that have had an encounter with Jesus Christ and how they come away changed and how they, every person that you see that, that, that has some sort of encounter with Jesus Christ, they're different as a result. Uh, we have seen this time and time again through this series um, you know, we looked at the, the disciples at the very beginning of their initial calling. We looked at, at, at the demon-possessed man. We've looked at the, the burial ceremony, the, the funeral that was going on last week. And, and just as a result of the people having an encounter with Jesus, how they come away so incredibly different. Um, and, and I'm telling you that if you have had an encounter with Jesus Christ, you are not the same. You're just not. There's something just drastically different about you. And I would even go so far as to say this, is when you open your heart and open your life to Jesus Christ, and you come to a church service maybe, or you encounter a homeless person, or you're out serving somebody else, I believe that when you have an encounter with Jesus Christ through that, I believe that you are changed as a result of that as well. I believe that it's not just a one-time thing that happens when you surrender your heart and life to Jesus Christ, and salvation enters your life, and then you're changed as a result of that. Yes, you are, but I think that we continue to have encounters with Christ. Um, I, I was talking to a man this morning at 6 o'clock in the morning at Walmart. Um, I've told you guys before, there's something holy about Walmart. I'm not sure what it is, but uh, God moves in Walmart, I'm telling you. I, I, I was there at 6 o'clock this morning, and I ran into a guy that had, had just lost his wife, and he was looking for some starch. Um, she used to take care of that for him, and, and now she's not there to do that for him. And I said, let's go find that starch. I, I know where we can look and find it. I don't work at Walmart. I, I know this, though, that I was going to find starch. One way or another, that man was walking out of Walmart with starch in his hand. I promise you, um, if, you no matter what, he, if I had to go home and get him some starch and then bring it back to Walmart, he was coming out of Walmart with some starch this morning. Um, but let me just tell you that, that even encounters like that, I come away changed and I go, you know what, God is doing something, God is at work. I didn't expect to have this encounter with Jesus at Walmart at 6 o'clock in the morning, but God is there. And I, I, 
I'm telling you, I, I, I have this conversation with the chaplain at Children's Hospital quite a bit. I had lunch with him the other day, and we were just talking, and, and he, he reminded me of what he had said a long time ago, and that is that even in some of the most devastating situations, that, that we have a tendency to think that God is not there in those situations. And he said, he said, Kenny, you know, I've seen it time and time again where people, you go like, where is God in all this? I mean, there is a child here that just got seriously burned in an auto accident. Where is God in that? And he said, but the thing about it is the way God shows up, it's almost never as we expect him to show up, but he is always there in that situation doing a work that we didn't expect him to do there's a grandmother or grandfather or cousin or aunt or uncle, somebody that has been touched by God through this experience, and God is using that terribly devastating situation to rock their world in a good way, to rock their world so that Jesus Christ can make himself evident and make himself known in their life. And, and I, I just was reminded of that. And he, he and I were just having this conversation the other day. We were sitting down, and we were um, just talking it over, we had tzatzikis for lunch, and it was amazing, and I don't know why I told you that, but anyway, so we were talking, and, and, and he was just, and he started to, he, he put a thought in my head, okay, and it was about worship, and he pointed out a particular verse uh, in, in God's Word that I'm going to share with you today, and, and it started, started me thinking about people that encounter Jesus, and they have an overflow of worship in their life as a result of that encounter with Jesus, and then I started thinking, well, what is worship exactly? What is it? Is it lifting your hands while you're in here on a Sunday mornings or Wednesday night and you're saying, praise God, you know, like, is this worship? Is, is that what worship is? What is it? And he pointed out a verse in God's Word that I'm going to share with you before we get started into the message this morning. Uh, we're going to talk about Martha and Mary. Everybody knows that story about Martha and Mary, right? Like about a jillion people. Have you ever been to church? At some point, you've heard a, a preacher preach on Martha and Mary and how Martha was all like in a tizzy about getting dinner ready and Mary was just sitting at the feet of Jesus, right? And we all preach that message and we talk about how, how Martha, you know, hey, we don't need to be like Martha. We don't need to be all in a tizzy about getting things ready and everything being just so and all your toothbrushes and brushes being aligned just so on the, on the bathroom counter that we don't need to necessarily focus on that stuff. We need to focus on Jesus, right? So that's the way that message is preached every time. I want to challenge you this morning to think about it in a little bit different perspective. I want us to look less at Martha and more at Mary. And I want you to look at, at, at what, she, how, what did worship look like for her. What was Jesus doing, and how was, how was worship incorporated into her life? And maybe, just maybe, we need to take something away and go, maybe that's what worship should look like in our lives. Maybe it's not just about nice songs on Sunday mornings that are played real loud and we can lift our hands to. Maybe worship goes a little bit deeper than that. And that's how I was challenged in this particular verse that was shared to me by the chaplain at Children's Hospital. He said, he said, think about this. Think about this. In Romans chapter 12, it's not going to be on the screen. Brett, you don't have to put it on the screen. I just want you to listen to what God's word says in two verses in Romans chapter 12. The first two verses of Romans chapter 12 says this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead to you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is is truly the way to worship him. Oh, wait a second. What? I thought worship had something to do with music. Hang on a second. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, 
but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn how to know what God's will is for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Whoa, hang on a second. I didn't see anything in there about good, good father. That song should have been in that verse somewhere if we're going to talk about worship, right? Well, what it says there, if you summarize the first two verses of Romans chapter 12, it says that your, your worship, your way to worship God is by allowing your mind to be transformed. What? Think about it. Think about this. When you, when you worship God here, and you do raise your hands, and the songs are good, and all that, and we're singing loud. Doesn't your isn't your mind kind of kind of changed in how you see God? Isn't your mind kind of transformed? Aren't you rethinking the way that you see God when you're when you're worshiping God? When your heart is truly moved towards God, isn't that really what's going on in worship? It's not just singing songs really loud. It's allowing your mind to be transformed. Now. This can happen in other places too, right? It doesn't just have to be on a Sunday morning or Wednesday night here in the church. Your mind can be transformed other places too. So let's look at Martha and Mary. Let's look at what goes on here when Jesus has an encounter with Martha and Mary. And Mary decides to worship. But let's look at what's happening here when she decides to worship. In uh, Luke chapter 10... Beginning of verse 38, it says this, And Jesus, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, it doesn't, seem, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, Dear Martha, You are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Martha has discovered it, and it will not be taken from her. So we would all probably agree that what what, what Mary was doing is that she was worshiping Jesus, right? By sitting at his feet, she was worshiping Jesus. And, and we, we talk about a million times about how Martha was all in a tizzy and she's busy, you know, setting up the dinner table. She's got plates just so and the silverware lined up and, and all of that. And she's, she's busy cooking the, the Thanksgiving turkey, you know what I mean? Like she's, she's really busy. She's got the gravy cooking. She's really, you know, anxious about the fact that, hey, I'm telling you what, if you was going to have a dinner guest, that'd be the one you'd want to have, right? Like the son of God who, you know, he made the turkey. So, I mean, he would know what a good... A well-cooked turkey would look like, right? Well, well this, this situation, Martha is all in a tizzy about it, but Mary, we see Mary doing something different. And she's just sitting at the feet of Jesus. Now, we would probably say that what Mary was doing, she was worshiping Jesus, right? What was Jesus doing? What was Jesus doing? How was she worshiping Jesus then? Were they singing songs? Were they singing praise and worship songs? Were they singing Good, Good Father? Is that what was going on right then? No. See, let's allow our perspective to be changed a little bit here. Jesus was teaching, right? He was teaching. Didn't Jesus, isn't that what he did everywhere he went? He taught. What what are some of the things that Jesus taught? He said, you've got to change your perspective on some things. You've got to look at some things a different way. 
you got to stop looking at your sin the same way, for one thing. See, they had a perspective in, in Jesus' day and time to believe that, that you know what, if you, if you had something going on with your body, like you had leprosy, for example, then that was the result of some sin that you committed or some sin that your parents have committed. The same thing goes with blindness or not being able to hear. I mean, they, they just looked at sin differently. They said that your physical ailments are the result of some sin in your life. And Jesus had to change that mindset. He had to teach them that that's not necessarily the case, that it could be that God has allowed something to come into your life so that you'll wake up and see your desperate need for, for God in your life. And yes, that does happen. But there are many times that, that, that because we live in a fallen creation, that stuff just bad stuff just happens. People die. People that we love die. People that we love, they get cancer. They get sick, and bad stuff just happens because we live in a fallen creation. And Jesus is like, you just have to see that. That it's not a result of something that you did. What are some of the other things that Jesus taught? See, see they had a perception that, that there, were, there were these kind of people that were way high up here on the scale of godliness. And some people way down here. And the people that were way down here could never get to the same relationship with God as the people that are way up here. And Jesus came to this world to shake that up and say, you know what, the poor people that you have disregarded and you have written off, and you have said there's no hope for them, that they're in that situation as a result of something they did, or they just happen to be that way for them, and there's no reason for us to minister to them or care for them. Jesus is like, no, that's exactly the opposite. See, I came for the purpose of restoring sight to the blind and preaching good news to the poor. That's exactly why I came. It was for those people. You people that are self-righteous and think you're way up here and got it all together, see, you're the ones that are wrong. You're actually down here, and the other people are up here. Because I came for them and not for you. And he had to shake up everything about the way that they thought. Jesus, in particular, would be confronted with somebody that was deep in some sort of sin. Like the woman caught in the middle of adultery. And, in, and he would look at her and he said, basically he would say this, that, that you're not condemned. God loves you. And I love you, and there's hope for you. They're the people that were hopeless. The people that society had written off as being hopeless, Jesus said, there's hope for you. It doesn't look like it if you listen to everybody else, but if you listen to me, there's hope for you. Jesus, he's teaching these things, right? And he even talks about sin and how, you know, we, we talked about the other day about how, how, how the, the, the eyes, man... The eyes are the gateway to the soul and what comes in through your eyes. Man, you need to guard your eyes because, because that can destroy you. Sin enters in through your eyes and starts to, you start to process things in your brain. And before you know it, you're indulged in sin. And Jesus was trying to teach them these things that, man, you need to protect yourself. You need to guard your heart. You need to look at things a different way. Jesus taught lots of stuff, didn't he? And here, I believe he was probably saying some of those same things to Martha and Mary. And Martha was too worried about dinner. But Mary was allowing her mind to be transformed by letting Jesus speak truth to her. That's what was going on. Do you know what we need to do? This is going to sound crazy. If you want to worship Jesus truly, 
You see that, that, that particular verse in, in Romans chapter two, or 12, 2 says that, that this is our reasonable worship, that this is our worship. It's also translated as reasonable service. You mean to tell me that there's a connection between worship and service? I believe that there is. I believe there's a deep connection. You, I'll tell you something right now. We, we've got Home Run Sunday coming next week, and I am fired up about it, son. We've got, we've got like parents that I'll talk to. You know what they say to me? You know what they say to us? They say, well, I've got a special needs kid, and I'm not so sure that I can just take them anywhere. I hate kind of putting them off on the children's department because they don't know necessarily how to take them and deal with them and encourage them and love them because they're, they're kind of difficult to deal with sometimes. You know what I tell them? I say, you bring them here and we will love them. And if I have to step off this stage and go over there and take care of them, I will and somebody else will have to come preach. I promise you, you bring your kid in here, I promise you, you're going to be able to worship, and you're going to be able to, to, to listen to Jesus Christ in this place, and we're going to take care of your kids. I don't care if it takes 12 of us to take care of your child. You come, and you worship here, and that's what we'll do here. Because I guarantee you, if you're back there taking, taking care of a child with autism, or you're out here worshiping and lifting your hands, I promise you, you'll be closer to Jesus in there taking care of that kid. I promise you, you will be. When you're there at a League of Our Own, listen to me. One of the reasons I love League of Our Own, man. I, I, I know that I'm on that, that little spiel right now, okay? I, so forgive me, about that. but the reason I love it, man... It's because when I'm out there on, those feet, on that field and I'm running around those bases holding those kids' hands or, or they wrap their arms around me, man, that's worship on Saturday morning. I don't even have to come to church on Sunday morning. I can worship on Saturday morning running those bases with those kids. And I love it. I, I, I eat it up. And I, look, I know that it's uncomfortable sometimes, okay? Sometimes those kids, they punch me in the face, if I'm very honest with you. Sometimes that does happen. You think for a second that's going to deter me from loving one of those kids? No way. Ain't no way. I've been spit on, punched in the face. I've been hurt, brought to my knees. I love every second of it. I love every second because I believe, I really genuinely believe that that is a form of worship. What does it say in Romans 12, 2? It says that you can't be thinking the way the rest of the world thinks. You've got to allow yourself to be transformed. You've got to allow yourself to think differently about God and about this world that God has created. I know that's hard. Look, I get that that's hard sometimes to allow yourself to be transformed that way. But that is worship. That is real, genuine worship. Here's the problem. Here's what I see, though. We come in here, and we lift our hands in worship, and we praise Jesus because God is good, and he's poured out his blessings on us, and we know that, and we care deeply about the fact that God loves us the way that he does, right? I mean, we love that, and we can feel it. It's like, man, you can feel the, 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 your heart just pumping when you think about the fact that God, man, he has cared for me, he has loved me, I've been through sickness, I've had loved ones to die, and he's been there for me to encourage me and love me. But if we don't take that out of this building, then our worship stops in here. Do you really want the end of your worship being at 1030 
or at 12.30 when the worship service is over with. Do you really think that that is going to bring glory to God if your worship ends right here at the end of this service in just a few minutes? Do you really think that that's God's desire and his plan for your life is for your worship to just stop right here? Are you allowing yourself to be transformed Not just in here, but taking that transformation outside of this place and allowing God to show you things, allowing God to remind you of Scripture and things that you have seen and heard and say, all right, God, I remember when you spoke to my heart on Sunday and here it is on Thursday and you're still speaking to me and God, I'm going to respond and this is going to be my worship to you. When you encounter that person at work or at school that nobody else loves or cares about, the person that seems hopeless, the person that thinks they're too far gone, they've got some kind of alcohol or drug addiction maybe that, that is taking them down a path that they never would have thought that they would have been on. And here they are, they find themselves, man, I don't know what to do. Are you reaching out to that person and say, God, I'm about to worship you by talking to this person about your love and the hope that you brought to this world? You know what? When you have a true encounter with Jesus, you'll worship him. You'll worship him. And I'm not just talking about Sunday mornings from 9 to 10.30. I'm not just talking about Sunday mornings from 11 to 12.30. I'm talking about you will worship him with your life. And I believe that's exactly what Mary was doing. She was allowing her mind to be transformed because of the things that Jesus was teaching here. She was allowing her mind to just soak in all the things that Jesus was saying. And she knew it was truth because it was coming from Jesus. So she had to recognize who Jesus was. I think Martha, she probably knew who Jesus was and she kind of got it a little bit, but she didn't get it. She didn't get it. She saw him as a very important person. She saw him as a VIP. Whereas Mary saw him as the most important person. But the things that he was saying were the most important things that anybody could ever have to say. And because of that, there's no turkey dinner that's worth missing out on that for. There's there's no setting of the plates or or pouring the sweet tea that's that's worth missing out on that for. It is important for us to come in here. Okay? It's important for us to worship Jesus. It's important for us to to lift our hands and, and to sing praises to him and all of that. I promise you that is so important because it does. It restores us. It builds us up. I mean, it fires us up, don't it, Willie? I'm like, it just gets us going, you know? And that's good. That really is. It's a good thing. But listen to me. Don't miss the most important part of worship, which is right here. Am I right? This is what transforms us. This is what teaches us the truth. The very words of Jesus. That's what makes us think a different way. Does that overflow into us singing songs and lifting our hands? Yes, it absolutely does. But it starts right here. I remember my daughter passed away, and she passed away on a Friday. And on Sunday, we, uh, we went to church. We went to church. You know why? Because that was the most important thing. That was the most important thing. I... I, I I was there because, because I knew that, that God wanted to show me something. He wanted to teach me something. And you know, you know what I, I learned through that? It wasn't, it wasn't what the pastor was saying that day. 
It wasn't the words that, 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 that he spoke that day. You know what the most important thing I learned from being there on that, that Sunday, two days after my daughter had passed away? You know what the most important thing I learned that day? That Jesus is the most important thing. That Jesus is the most important thing. And I'll never forget that lesson. And I'll stand up here and I'll tell you every single Sunday if I have to that Jesus is the most important thing. That he's worthy of our praise and our worship. And that worship looks like service. And look what Jesus goes on to say. At the end of uh, this particular passage, the Lord said to her, the Lord said to her, Jesus, the Son of God, is talking to Martha. He said, my dear Martha, you're so worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing to be concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, if it was really about just that moment, if it was really about her just sitting at the feet of Jesus and, and her, her, uh, her worshiping Jesus by just sitting there at his feet and, and listening to him, wouldn't that go away when she got up and, and she left that day? Wouldn't it kind of just be a, a little bit of an experience? And yeah, I was there in the presence of Jesus. And yeah, that was good. And yeah, it was really fun to be there in the presence of my Savior. But Jesus says something here. He says something very important, I think. And it's this. He says, it won't be taken away from her. It won't be taken. What, what could Jesus have been talking about that wouldn't be taken away from her? Because if it was just sitting there at, at his feet, that time is going to pass and it's going to end. And he's going to get up and he's going to go out the door. But he's saying it's going to stick with her. Well, what's going to stick with her? What he's been teaching. Am I right? What Jesus has been teaching and the fact that she had reverence for the fact that he was the son of God and he was speaking truth to her and that will not leave her. That's going to carry on. That's going to keep going. She's going to continue to have her mind renewed day by day by day. And there's going to be this continual transformation that's going to happen. That that's not going to leave her. You see, this is the process that happens when you give your life to Jesus. When you truly become that living sacrifice that Romans chapter 12 talks about. Give your bodies to God because they're all he has done for you. Let them be a living, holy sacrifice. You see, once you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, once you say, Jesus, everything belongs to you. It's not me anymore. I belong to you. You give your body to him. You say, God, this belongs to you. God transforms you in an instant, right? He immediately saves your soul and brings your soul from death to life, and you have eternity with God. That is, that is the way that it happens. It's instantaneous. But our bodies still have this craving and this desire for the things of the world, and we have to wage war against that. That's why he gives us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit indwells us and comes to live with inside of us so that we can continue to be transformed. Our minds can continue to be transformed because that's where all sin starts. It starts in the mind first, right? So God does this. He says, all right, you're mine now. You're mine now. Think about adoption. Think about adoption for a second because we're all orphans. And God says, okay, no matter what difficulty, struggles, heartache, shame, guilt, whatever, bring that to me because you're mine. And he brings you in and you become part of his family. Now, does that mean that God just kind of leaves you there and says, you know what? 
You're part of my family. You can still act like I used to act. And back when you were in the orphanage, I know you did this, and I know you did that. And you know what, is, what does he do? He continues to shape us and mold us to be like his family. He continues to say, all right, you're part of my family. This is how my family behaves. This is how my family looks. My family looks holy. So because of that, you are to look holy. And let me show you how to do that. Now, what is, how does he do that? He begins to work on our hearts, and his Holy Spirit is there going, reminding you, Remember what I taught you here. The little things too, y'all. The little th- I, 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 I preach all the time about listening to the Holy Spirit. And I'm such a huge believer in this. If I'm at work and, and, and I need to print out something for church, before I click that print button, I go, the Holy Spirit goes, no, that is not how you're to do that. That is, that is stealing from your work and you are not to do that. Right? It is. You realize that, right? Like if I need to print out something for church and I do it at work, that that is stealing from my work in order to be able to do something for the kingdom of God. And God does not want me to do that. The little things, even listening to that little thing. Guys, when you're at the beach and you're surrounded on spring break, you know what I'm talking about? And you reminded, God said, control what goes in your eyes. Control what goes in your eyes. And you got a choice. You got a choice. When you have your eyes, you can either let them stay there or you can bounce them somewhere else and start looking at that sailboat off in the distance. You know what I'm saying? You can allow yourself to be transformed, but you got to listen to the Holy Spirit. It's got to be something that you choose to do. God's there. He installs the Holy Spirit in your heart to show you these things and and remind you of Scripture that you have heard or remind you of things that have been said on Sunday morning. But you have a choice to make as to whether or not you respond to that or not. Lots of little things like that that God is constantly reminding you of. I gave you an example of one of mine that's at work that I deal with a lot. And that is, man, I can't do this because this is stealing from work. I can't do that. But so many of you know little things that God is constantly showing you. Sometimes it's conversations that you have with your spouse. Sometimes it's things that you say and you go, mm. And the Holy Spirit constantly is telling you, no, don't go there. That's going to be hurtful. That's not going to be helpful. That's not going to be edifying. It's not going to build each other up. It's going to tear each other down. And you have a choice as to whether or not you respond to the Holy Spirit who's speaking to you that way and say, am I going to listen to God or am I going to listen to my flesh as to what I do? I'm telling you, the more you listen to that Holy Spirit, the more clear that voice will become. Things that you didn't think were issues in your life will all of a sudden be brought to your mind and you'll go, okay, apparently that is an issue. The Holy Spirit of God is speaking to me in this particular area and I need to be more responsive in this particular area. And God will continue to do that because we are part of his family. We're brought into his family. He says, I'm going to teach you what it's like to be part of my family. He continues. He continues, and sometimes we forget, and sometimes we start acting like orphans again, and you know what he does? He chastens us, doesn't he? What is that, what's that big word, chastens us? He gets on us, right? He does. Sometimes it's in a church service, sometimes it's not, but the Holy Spirit starts moving, and he goes, You remember what you did here. You remember when you were far from me in this particular situation in your life? You remember what you did? And you go, I remember. I remember. And you either have a choice there. You can either respond to that 
or you can run away from it. You can either say, God, I'm going to repent of it and I'm going to turn towards you, or you can run away. You have that choice and he gives you that choice. But the further you run, the harder you run, the quieter that Holy Spirit becomes. The more and more things you do to, to try to get away from that family that God has called you to, the quieter and quieter that voice becomes. And then sometimes God gives you this little spark. He gives you this little reminder. Maybe it's in a sermon. Maybe it's in something you read or a song you heard or something. He goes, remember that you're one of mine. Allow me to transform you. The world can't do it. The world will only lead you astray. Remember that you're part of my family. Jesus is the most important thing. The words that he teaches are the most important thing. The transforming part of your heart that God has installed there with the Holy Spirit, that is the most important thing. Worshiping Jesus and singing praises on Sunday morning is amazingly enjoyable. It truly is. But I'm telling you, the greater victory comes when you are worshiping Jesus Christ on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday, and on Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday, as God is constantly renewing your mind, constantly changing the way you think, and you're responding to that, and every single time you respond to the way God is changing the way you think, that's worship. Every single time you say yes to the Holy Spirit, that is worship. Every time you, you bring something else into your mind through God's word, that is worship, because God is able to use that through the power of his Holy Spirit to transform your way of thinking. When you sing praises on Sunday mornings, it changes the way you see God. It changes the way you see your life, doesn't it? There is a transformational work that is happening in your life right then as you're singing praises to Jesus Christ. That can happen every single day of your life if you allow it to. That's worship. That's worship. Let me pray. Father, thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for reminding us of what real worship is. It's not just singing praises to you on Sunday morning, but it is allowing you to transform our hearts and our minds every single day of our life. It would be so short-sighted of us to only worship you on Sundays and Wednesday because you're a great and mighty God and you're worthy of our worship every single day of the week. I pray that we would be people that would worship you every single day of the week. May God, on Saturdays, we have an opportunity to serve you. That, Lord, we would. We would. We wouldn't look at things the way we've always looked at them, God, we would allow you to transform us, and God, we would see things the way you see them. God, the people sit next to us at work or at school, Lord, as they need to hear about this hope that you provide, as they need to hear about the goodness of Jesus Christ, I pray that we would allow ourselves to be transformed in our thinking. And though it may be difficult to talk to them about the goodness that, that exists in Jesus Christ, I pray that we would be able to do that. Now, this is our reasonable service. This is our worship to you. I know that if we do that, if we respond to you in that way, God, you tell us in your word that we will be able to discern your will, your good, pleasing, and perfect will. We'll be able to see that as we allow ourselves to be transformed. We so desperately, God, want to see what your will for our life is. God, I know that you continue to reveal that to us through our worship. But help us to understand that that worship, God, is the transforming of our minds. So, Lord, as we respond to you now, maybe there's somebody here that's never surrendered to you as Lord and Savior. And because of that, because of that, Lord, they can't discern your will for their life. They don't have your Holy Spirit. 
But your Holy Spirit is calling them right now to a relationship with you, and I pray that they would respond to that. We always have a choice as to whether or not we say yes or no to you. God, I pray that today they might say yes. God, and then for the Christian, the Christ follower, who has forgotten that they're part of your family, I I pray that today they would be drawn back to you. That, God, you might do surgery on their hearts, the power of your Holy Spirit. God, you might open them up to to something that they haven't seen, a blind side in their life. God, where they just need purification, they need repentance, they need to be drawn back to you. God, I pray that they would do that today. I pray that today, instead of saying no like they have so many times before, that today they would say yes. Lord, may you give us a new perspective on this world. May you give us a new perspective on who you are. And may you receive glory through our worship of you. This is your your time now, Lord, as we respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would everyone please stand?